Thank you for listening to the Keystone Church Podcast. For more information about us, you can visit us at mykeystonechurch.com. I wanted to talk about, you know, we've been in this crisis now, this pandemic since March, and we're heading into another March in a couple months. It's not far away that it'll be a year that we've been in this whole thing. And it's interesting because you keep hearing people saying, you know, I can't wait for 2021, as if somehow when the clock ticks and January 1st comes, everything's going to be back to normal. And on the one hand, like, I understand the sentiment and I appreciate the, the hope of it. And I believe that God is doing good things and that there is going to be a change in our situation. I don't necessarily think it automatically <laughs> comes with the new year. And so what, what we're hearing when people are saying those things is not so much uh, false hope in, as much as it is grief, as much as it is, you know, I, I feel like when you look at the five stages of, of grief, one of them is, is bargaining. And in some sense, I feel like uh, the expectation that, hey, 2021 is going to bring a new year. Like, it's, it's kind of this bargaining sense of, like, this has been such a hard season, such a hard time, that, that we're just hoping that everything will shift, change and shift. But the question is, for us, how do we, how are we going to make our way into this new year? And what are we bringing to the world? How are we impacting the world around us. And I think even for us as believers, I think of this year has been like a massive gust of wind that just kind of knocks you off balance and you just have to regain your footing. And I think that's the, the spot that we're at right now. We need to regain our footing. We're people that are, that are planted on the rock, firmly on the rock. And that means that that, that planting is a strong foundation for us, not just for our personal lives, but to be able to reach out and save people, to be able to reach out and pull people onto that foundation. So I wanted to talk just a little bit this morning about keeping our freedom so we can bring it to others. One of the the coolest stories I think in the Bible is how Moses, Moses was born a Hebrew, but he wasn't raised a Hebrew. Moses was raised in the palace. He was raised by Pharaoh's daughter. And so Moses' mentality, his whole life growing up, was that of a prince, was that of someone who had authority, who had influence, who had an inheritance. He knew who he was and what he had through his, his family that had adopted him into the, into the palace. And ultimately, God called him out of the palace in order to help deliver his people. But it's so interesting that Moses was so sure of who he was that when he goes and talks to the people— to the, to the Jews, and he's like, hey, I'm the deliverer, I'm here to set you free, like, they reject him, and he's, he's shocked by their rejection. Like, he's so, so living out of a sonhood of a king, he, he doesn't expect that he would be rejected. It's not something that he's used to. But there's a reason that God had to have somebody who had, who, who didn't have a slave mentality, to free the slaves out of Egypt, because God didn't just want them physically freed. He wanted them completely emotionally and spiritually freed from slavery. In other words, if he just freed them physically and they kept living as slaves, they would never have become a kingdom. They would never have overcome all of the different people groups around them that wanted them destroyed. They had to have mentality of sons and daughters of a king. And in order for that to happen, 
They had to be delivered by somebody who had that mentality himself. So we've got to make sure that in our own hearts and minds, we crucify slave thinking. Because God's called us to be a light to this world. God's called us to make an impact, to draw people to himself. But if we are still thinking and living like slaves, we are going to be too stuck and too blown over by the things that happen in our lives and the things that happen in the world to be a real light and a real help and aid to those who need us. So in Galatians, um, Paul really digs into this a lot with, with the Galatian church. They had kind of started living under the law again and decided that, that in, they had to kind of justify their salvation through works, through, through following the law. And Paul was, you can tell when you read Galatians, most of the, the books of the Bible that he wrote um, have this long introduction, and he just kind of like warms up into what he wants to talk about. With Galatians, he gives a little paragraph of like, hey, it's me, it's Paul, and then he busts into who has deceived you and bewitched you into following this, and he just jumps right in. And, and so in Galatians 4, Paul says this. He says, while we were juveniles, we were enslaved under the hostile spirits of the world. And this is in the Passion Translation. He says, but when that era came to an end and the time of fulfillment had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the written law. Yet all of this was so that he would redeem and set free all those held hostage to the written law so that we would receive our freedom and a full legal adoption as his children. And so that we would know for sure that we are his true children, God released the spirit of sonship into our hearts, moving us to cry out intimately, my father, you're our true father. A quick pause here. This is saying, like to, to paraphrase this, he's saying in order to prove that we really are God's kids, he sent his Holy Spirit which draws us into a place of deep intimacy with God from which we can actually say, God, you're my daddy, not just God, you're out there somewhere. The release of the Holy Spirit into our hearts is a sign of our adoption as sons and daughters. It also says, now we are no longer living like slaves under the law, but we enjoy being God's very own sons and daughters. And because we're his, we can access everything our father has. For we are heirs of God through Jesus the Messiah. Before we knew God as our Father and we became his children, we were unwitting servants to the powers that be, which are nothing compared to God. But now that we truly know him and understand how deeply we're loved by him, why would we, even for a moment, consider turning back to those weak and feeble principles of religion as though we were still subject to them? Paul really wants us to get it, that we're free. And that freedom allows us access into the Holy of Holies, into a deep place of intimacy with God. And that freedom isn't just for us. It's the same kind of mentality as sons and daughters that we get to have that Moses had growing up in the palace. And that same mentality God designed in us for the same purpose, to bring freedom to captives. Moses had a call in his life to deliver Israel, and we have a call as the body of Christ. And all of us have our own unique way to fulfill it, but that call is to draw people from darkness into light, is to set the captives free. So the cool thing about living as sons and daughters is we get to live in the victory and the freedom that was purchased for us. We're sons and daughters of the king. We live in his palace. 
but we can't actually have the impact that God has given us until we start believing and living like we're really his kids. So that doesn't mean that we don't face hard things, guys. We're all going to face hard things. Jesus said tough times are going to come, but the thing is we don't face them as slaves. So I'll give you an example. When I was, when I was young, my whole day could get thrown off really, really easy. Like, you know, you just get judged by somebody or I don't know about you guys. Have you ever waved to somebody and they don't wave back or you say hi and they just walk right past and it just ruins your day or at least ruins you for the next hour or two. And it just puts you in that funk of like, man, and, and I don't know about you guys, but I've had those moments where it's so stupid because it's obviously they could have just not heard you or not seen you or who knows what happened. But sometimes such a minor thing can set you off and ruin your day. And I, I lived like that. I lived like if something minor went wrong, it would ruin my emotional cloud for the remainder of the day. And I do my best to come out of it. But, but the interesting thing is if that happens at such small things, what happens when we encounter major issues? What happens when we encounter major hiccups and trials and, and struggles in life? As I grew in intimacy with God, I learned how to become unshakable. I learned how to not be moved by what's happening in life. It doesn't mean that it, I don't feel it. It doesn't impact me. It doesn't mean I'm building walls of protection around my heart. But what it means is I learned what it is to live as a son, to live as an heir of God, and to realize that I am not blown about by every wind of life that comes my way. And and. I get to live free in the battle that God's already won. So an example of this, this, I don't know, I like this analogy. I hope you guys do. I hope it makes sense. But when we moved in Michigan, we were living there. Uh, I loved the cold. And for whatever reason, I just didn't want to wear a coat. I just would not want to wear a coat anywhere I went. So I would go out in t-shirts in the snow. I would go out in just a sweater, but I wouldn't wear a coat, even if it was like negative 10 degrees outside. And and I was determined to learn how to just adjust to the cold. So what I would do is in the morning, I would take a scalding hot shower. Like I would come out and my skin was red and I would have, you know, a 20 minute shower just sitting and soaking up the heat from that shower until my whole body, you know, sometimes you wake up and you just have that chill and you feel that chill like down to your bones. And I would have that shower until that was completely gone and there was nothing but warmth. And so I'd get out, I'd get dressed, and, it, and in Michigan, a second you step out of the shower, you're back in that freezing cold temperature and you're feeling it all over your body again. But I would learn how to just absorb, I was like, I'm absorbing all the heat from, from the water in the shower and then I'm carrying it with me for the rest of the day. And then I would go out, and, and so that was the first thing. The second thing I would do is when I'd go out and the wind is just cutting through you, Instead of fighting against the wind, you know, when we shiver, it's like it's to help your body warm up, but it's like you're fighting against the wind and there's nothing you can do. The wind is going to win. And so I started practicing just letting it cut through me and just kind of like maybe I can decrease my body temperature. Or just let the wind just come and, and I'm not going to fight it. I'm not going to resist it. I'm just going to let it hit and do what it wants to do to me. And it was interesting how much I was able to, to not just survive the cold, but actually enjoy it and get to a point where because I wasn't thinking about how much I hated the cold and I wasn't fighting against it, I was able to just let it cut through me. And the analogy that I'm trying to draw from this is, is we have got to be able to, to experience our freedom on a deep level. And that comes from our intimacy with Jesus. So that hot shower, that time that I spent absorbing the heat, that's just like our time with Jesus. That's our time in the presence of God. 
you know, it says in, um, oh, where is it? I have a verse in here somewhere. I don't have it. It says we're changed as we behold him, right? We're transformed. Here we go. We all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. In other words, as we look at Jesus, we become more like him. So taking that time in the morning to, to take that hot shower or that time with Jesus in his presence and really absorb his character, his nature, it's, it's good to get in the word. It's good to get in prayer and pray for people and circumstances around you. But there's a difference between those two things and actually just engaging in the presence of God and actually just looking at him and absorbing who he is. So I think we've got to do that. And then the other thing is, you know, when I the analogy of me going out and letting the wind and cold cut through me, I think that connects to how we handle the struggles of life. Things are going to come. The reality is that, that we're going to have moments where crazy things happen in the news, where we feel overwhelmed, where there's situation with friends or kids being disruptive or unhealthy patterns at work. All of these things seem like they're tailored to get us distracted and thinking about ourselves. But in each of those moments, we have a choice. We can get filled in advance, and then when those moments of struggle and overwhelming times come, we can pause and we can choose to approach them like a king or a queen. We can choose to approach those with something to bring to the table instead of feeling like we're just getting drained and knocked over. So I want to encourage you guys, like, we, we've got to get ourselves free, and then we've got to learn how to stay free in the middle of struggle. And then the last step is we need to learn how to draw others into that freedom as well. The world is going to begin rebuilding. The world is going to begin healing from all of the things that we've gone through in the last year. And when you break a bone, the reason that you wear a cast is so the bone doesn't heal wrong. And in so many ways, the, the, the opportunity here, because we live in a world that that not only is naturally broken by sin, but it's been broken down even more by, by this pandemic and by the situation that we're in. And we have a chance and an opportunity as believers to be a cast on the wounds in the world and to use it as a way to help the world to heal better than it was before, to help our cities and our communities and our workplaces and our families and our friends to heal better than they were before, to give them an opportunity to understand who Jesus is and to know what his heart is really like, his character is really like. Jesus had a call and he passed that call to us. Even at a young age, when he got lost, his parents are looking for him and he says, didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? And then later on, Jesus, in John 5, 19, Jesus says, I only do the works that I see the Father doing. He gave us a call to do what we see him doing and to do what we've seen him doing. We're the carriers of that freedom. So I just want to encourage all of us that it's okay if we feel knocked over by everything that's been happening this year. But as we enter 2021, like I said, nothing's going to automatically change. What's going to change is we're going to have opportunities to share what it's like to live an unshakable life because of the love of Jesus. And that, that can begin to establish a new kind of healing in this world and a new way of doing things. So I want to invite us into that. As we get ready for 2021 to pray and prepare, 
for a new way of living and drawing other people to that as well.